everyone. Welcome to Creating a Village. Whether you're returning or joining us for the first time, I'm your host, Millie, and we're here to nurture the village within you and help us all thrive on this beautiful journey we call life. So this is a very special episode. This is one of the first three episodes. It's setting the tone for what Creating a Village podcast will be. And we're going to be talking about the phrase, it takes a village. So let's set the scene, shall we? All right. If my guests could introduce themselves, starting with Dr. Buskey. Hi, I am Carlos Buskey. I am a assistant professor in the School of Business at Howard University. Next on my screen is Dr. Vance. Hello, my name is Deshaun Vance, and I too now work at Howard University again in the Office of Audit, Risk, and Compliance. Uncle Malon. <laughs> um, my name is Malon Jackson. I am an entrepreneur for the last 19 years um, as a contractor for FedEx Ground. Mm -hmm. um, and just been running the business and taking care of everything for Jada Millie. <laughs> Millie, sorry. Now you all can call me Jada. I'm just gonna let Millie be like my podcast persona. I was gonna ask that. Should we call you Millie or Jada? <laughs> oh yes, no, you're completely fine to call me Jada. Okay. <laughs> okay. Next up, Ms. Pecco. Um, hi, I'm Marcia Pecco. I was Jada's biology teacher. And I am transitioning from high school to Xavier University of Louisiana as the new director of alumni relations. Oh, congratulations. congratulations. Oh, I know you're going to do so well in that role. <laughs> uh, Jada, I was going to tell you um, July 1st, but. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I did it ahead of time. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, okay. We'll talk after this. <laughs> But congratulations. Okay, so the first question that I want to pose to everyone is, so looking back on your life, how was the concept of it takes a village? How has that played a significant role in your life and like shaping who you are today? And anyone can start talking. Um, for me, um, the village was church members, um, the village was the school teachers, um, the bus drivers. But I did a little um, research maybe about two years ago about the village and understanding mm -hmm. the phrase and where it originates from. It actually originated from West Africa. Um, and pretty much very few people use the word village in America to de describe where they stay. But mm -hmm. village is what Africans use all the time of their origins and where they stay is the village. And the village is basically made up of about 500 people or so. So that village is pours into those individuals and that village takes care of the needs of anybody who is lacking or mm -hmm. not on the right path. And that creates the legacies that we're looking for these days and times. So the villages corrals the young people or even the older people who needs help at the yeah. after a certain age. So that's what the village means to me. 
Okay. Thank you. For yeah, that. I can. I, if I can step in, I, I agree. My my church family uh, was a big part of my village. My my coaches. Uh, I played a lot of sports. My mom did a a uh, really good job of making sure that I stayed busy and mm-hmm. um, the boys club directors we had and, and, and camp counselors at, at the boy, it was called the boys club. That's how mm-hmm. old I am. I think today it's now the boys and girls club. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, right. Um, uh, my godparents uh, also uh, created a, a, a strong uh, network of um, village for me and my aunts. Uh, also, and and that all impacted me today, and and who I and helped shape who I who I've developed into today. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Um, I'm going to hit rewind and play again to say church as well. Uh, my parents are pastors, so church has been a huge part of my life. Uh, they've been pastors since I was in fourth grade. Well, my dad okay. was a pastor since I was fourth grade, um, but. I would say school, and I say school because not just the teachers, but I went to the same school from kindergarten to eighth grade, mm. and that became my village. I am still very close friends with the people I was close friends with when I was seven and eight years old. We talk on a daily basis, um, and they get invited to everything. Their parents get invited to everything. Like Those are the people that I really classify as like my strongest village. This pick. <laughs> I mean, I would say the same for me. I grew up in a small town in Louisiana, so everyone knew um, the Peco kids. So we all looked alike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we went everywhere together. But as far as the um, village, everybody, if we did anything, would tell everybody. Everybody was our grandma. Everybody was mm-hmm. our auntie. Everybody was our uncle in the city. So my great-grandfather was a Baptist preacher. And so, you know, mm. we were all same thing, vacation Bible school. And everybody addressed yeah. us if we did anything out of line. They were calling our grandparents and, you know, they're calling our parents. But the thing I remember most about the village is my grandfather would barbecue every Sunday, like clockwork. Everybody mm. from the whole mm. town was invited we were out after church on Sundays from, you know, after church until late, late night playing football, baseball, everything in the front yard because they had a pretty big uh, front yard and a backyard. And mm-hmm. people were picking pecans, you know, picking plums in the garden, whatever. Like it was just a, it was a, their house growing up. We live right next door. It was like an open community. So I remember that growing up. And both of my grandmothers were principals. So as far as education, um, that, you know, all the teachers that taught with them, everybody that was in the school, you know, it was like one big family. I don't remember anything being separate um, when I was growing up. Everybody was interconnected. Mm. Okay. And I see like the commonalities between you all, like, oh, you grew up in the church that was like your main foundation of community, always yeah. interacting with them. Like you said, being outside of church, like you go to someone else's house to have more um, community. And so like, I know I grew up in the church, but as I started getting older, we didn't always go to church as much. So what are some things that you've seen change within the phrase it takes a village as like more and more generations have come? 
the village has became become finicky because you don't want to overstep. But mm-hmm. um, to piggyback off of Miss, say your name P. Miss Pecco. 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 We that there was no you can't spank my kid or you can't discipline my kid. You can't touch my kid. That 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 came with a new generation. But when we were growing up, from the schoolhouse to your house, anybody could whip you on that street. It didn't matter because everybody knew everybody. Today mm-hmm. we have a garage. We go in our house, we shut the garage, we don't talk to our neighbors. We don't even know them. The most not saying everybody, but a lot of people yeah. don't know their neighbors because we shut our garage. We go in. Back in the day, we had, they call carport. <laughs> Your car sat outside. You got to see everybody come in and out. You just couldn't hide. But it was a different type of atmosphere um, growing up in Southwest Atlanta. It wasn't, you couldn't get away with anything. Mm-hmm. And the average, my mom taught me, where you go to school, you go to church at the same place. We're not going to go church. 30 miles away from our house because you don't know anybody. You could be a different kid when you go to school. Mm-hmm. So when I went to school, the same people who went to school with me went to church with me. So you had to act the same way mm-hmm. because if they go home and tell their parents, it's on. Um, but we have gotten to the point that I believe we've gotten to the point that our kids have become our trophies and we've tried to make them less responsible because mm-hmm. we went through some struggles. So we overcompensate. And that's, to me, the village crumbled a little bit because we're overcompensating for the struggles that we went through, which made us great. Mm-hmm. Let them struggle and it should be better. But that's just my take. Yeah, I I agree um, with, with Uncle Malin. I, <laughs> um, I, was, I was thinking about this question and I, I had jotted down um, that we're less community driven and why. And this is not my my field of research. Um, so everything I'm saying is anecdotal. It's just my opinion. Um, I believe that less community and the way we've raised, at least I can speak for myself and the way I raised my kids um, was very much trauma driven. And mm. because of that, I protected them more. And so they were I created what I thought their village should be. And I realized that I may not have provided enough outlets. Like everyone on the call, um, I'm sorry, everyone on the podcast today talked about coaches and, and community and, you know, church family, and they got none of that. It was whatever I selected for them. And so their village is a lot smaller than, than our village growing up. And I think that greatly impacted why the, you know, they don't have the same diversity in their village that we had growing up. Mm. Um, well, that's not your field of research. The research does support that. Um, working with students, uh, what ages like 16, because if they get to school early, they're 16, um, up until about 24. I had to figure out what was wrong and the research supports that their parents were parenting out, out of fear. And for you to say that, I commend you for one, admitting that too, you know, now we know where, where we can start, you know, start introducing them back to, you know, the foundations of what we grew up in. Um, however, 
I do think a big draw is the internet. Um, and not yeah. just social media, but the internet overall. The games, the TV, the movies, and also social media. You know, I got excited when I was on my run the other day because I saw kids outside playing baseball in the grass, right? It, with their neighbors. You know, this was something we basically had to do and wanted to do. This is something now that's kind of like a extreme luxury because we're all home now, right? Um, so mm-hmm. I think that the advent of the internet and the push of everything else, including social media, because I think social media gets singled out negatively too often. I believe that the internet is what kind of also crippled the village because everyone can go out, go in the house and talk to who they want to talk to. Um, they don't have to go knock on the door and ask, can Millie come outside? Can Carlos come outside? Right. It's um, just on the phone. just going to shoot you a text and we're just going to talk for the next six hours on right. a keyboard. So I think that also is what crippled the village. Yeah. Could I add something to um, what Dr. Vance said? We, um, I am noticing that today that uh, kids are playing outside more. They're playing soccer. I actually, a month ago, fired my lawn service company and hired a kid that lives down the street who's doing a fantastic job because he's being, he's being raised. He's, he's outside a lot. He's, he rides his bike to baseball practice. Um, they're, you know, they're they're walking up and down the street and they're playing. So I think that's a that 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 seems to be very promising for this for this younger generation. Absolutely. No, I definitely I definitely agree with that because even growing up, like I think my village and like communication came from like my my uncle and my aunts having that sense of community. And like, if we go to Sunday dinner or something, just talking to each other and hearing the stories and being able to like understand that there are so many people in your path and just around you that are looking out for you, even if like they can't, you know, reprimand you anymore, <laughs> but they understand. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they want you to understand like that your actions have consequences. <laughs> And so just being able to at least hear from that generation is something like a lot of kids don't particularly have, at least that I've noticed, because I feel like it's really hard for kids to understand or like have the perspective that the people that you're around, the people that you meet just in everyday life, even outside of school and other organizations that those people are a part of your village and they can impact you by just saying like, hey, like, if someone sees someone who like is homeless on the street and they say stay in school, that's still something like really impactful and can like change the trajectory of someone's life. So yes, Ms. Pega, did you want to say anything on this? No, it's so funny from all the different perspectives. Like in my head, I'm like, yes, that's this, that's so true. I mean, I did, <laughs> just from a, a high school perspective, I did just want to touch on um, one thing. And I, I think, um, is it Deshaun? I think I think you maybe have touched on just yes. um, the whole concept of inside, outside, internet. Things come so quickly to kids today. Uh, sometimes I do feel, even from and and these are these are my own opinions. I get. Let me put that disclaimer out there. Just just my own opinion. Um, parents talking to me about children. Sometimes they do get 
a little antsy and afraid with what can go on the internet. My kid has a phone. My kid can record me do this. Then someone's going to chime in. What are the consequences in the after effect? I do sometimes feel that the community as a whole is afraid of the impact of the internet or what that's going to bring if something's put online. If they do try to address a child and it's not their own, um, a lot of people tend not to get involved today. And, and that to me, that's really mm-hmm. scary when, as Jada just said, sometimes saying one or two words to a child can be really impactful in that moment and probably should be said. People today tend to kind of shy away because of the Internet and they don't want to be on these exposed or canceled sites. And um, I think that's unfortunate. It's a shame. Mm. To to that point, with like the technolo- technological advances that we do have today, do you think there is a way that we can combat that? Like, how do you think we can use technology to keep building community and showing that like it's okay for people to give you feedback, to encourage you, or to correct you? Mm. It would have to come from your generation, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Mm. Um, because like for me, I planted seeds in my goddaughter who would then in turn plant the seeds for my kids, right? For my mm-hmm. son and yeah. my daughter, she would connect with them because she's more their age, same okay. message, but it's delivered differently because they're closer in age. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when I talk to you as your uncle, you will listen but my child on the same hand won't listen. But Jada then can tell my daughter a certain thing and then it'll make sense. So there is a gap. Even with us, with our parents, we told them they don't know what they're talking about, right? Because we thought we were the smartest thing on the block, but wasn't the case. But for what the only thing that to me, uh, influencers like yourself, sharing the knowledge and the wisdom will go farther than you think. And once again, it's about planting the seed. I may not see it grow. You may not mm-hmm. see what you're saying has an effect or you may see it, but it's not guaranteed that you will see it. You just have to keep going. But I think your generation who are staying on track can make it happen. Our generation can only coach through it, but that's what I see. Yeah, he uh, that's that's spot on. I, I um, and we're thinking the same thing. Um, you're, you're already doing it, Jada, with with this with this platform. Um, one of the things we talked about this when when you were one of my students at Howard, um, you fortunately, but unfortunately, grew up in the Internet age. We didn't have this growing up. OK, so um, it's become like everyone on the call. We had to go to church. So I, I'm not comparing the internet to the Bible, but we kind of had, we had, we had the Bible as our, um, as, as a, as a, as a tool of, of information. And then we kind of followed some of the things that were in the Bible and we trusted that source. And now mm-hmm. we have the internet, which also has the Bible, but you trust the internet. And so um, I listen to my, my, I have a 17 year old and I listen to her and she'll say, Hey dad, they said on TikTok," and then she'll give me some pretty good information. Like, 
Like, like, and it's scary, but my whole thought is, or she'll go, oh, yeah, dad, you're right. They're talking about that on TikTok. So it's a trusted source. So they need people like you, Jada, that are putting out that content on mm -hmm. these platforms to that source that they're trusting and encouraging them to, hey, yeah, you heard it here, but also go connect with your, your family. Um, maybe you should try out more organizations like this because this is how it shaped me. I think I told you this at Howard a few times. I, um, I adored you as a student and I wanted my daughters to meet you because I know that they don't, they won't listen to me, but they'll believe right. you and, and you're bringing those sources. So that, that, that's my, my, my take on how I think the internet can be used to, to affect the villages today. <laughs> yeah. I, so I think that's why I was as effective as I was at Howard. And again, not to toot my own horn, but I was closer in age to the students. <laughs> I was closer in age to the students than everyone else, right? Um, I wanted the same goal for the students everyone else did. But when I started at Howard, I was 24 years old. The students were, again, between 16 and also 24 and older. They were transfer students. And so, of course, what Dr. Buskey would say sounded better coming from someone younger because it's like, oh, gosh, it's just like my dad or my uncle or, you know, mm -hmm. someone saying something to me. So mm -hmm. what Uncle Mayla has said is that it's going to have to come from our generation because, yes, I'm older than you, Jada, but we're still in the same generation. Um, yes. But it's going to have to come from us and not being afraid to speak up, not being afraid to address the inadequacies of our generation, because I, I do think we are a part of it. Um, also, as Dr. Buskey has said, the content is so much negativity out there that we need people that are pushing the positive stuff. I used to wake up and look at the news. I hate watching the news, so I'll, I'll read it. So I'll go to Yahoo News, CNBC, whatever. And I would just hate everything that I was seeing because there was never anything positive about black people, which is why I created Watch My Black. You know about that. And I just want positive black news out there. And I feel like we consume so much negativity with the basketball wives and basically anything VH1 and Bravo put out, you know, it's basically front page news. And if that's the first thing we see, I mean, more is caught than what is taught. And if we're catching this on a day-to-day -day basis, that's what we're consuming. That's what we're kind of going to become if we don't have someone else pivoting our minds away mm -hmm. from what we're seeing on a day-to-day -day basis. And so, again, podcasts like these need to be pushed more so that that crippling of the village doesn't continue. True. Say <laughs> less, yes. Oh, one day, one day, one day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I receive it. I receive it. Yes. I support that. Yes. I support that too. Oh, thank you. Okay. Well, to those points, can you all kind of share something memorable that has happened to you within your village? Like maybe a pivotal moment that's like, wow, I'm so great that I have these people, that I'm listening to these people 
or that I just heard this thing from someone because this has really helped me right in this moment. Mm. Yeah. I can share um, a quick story. I, and, and we've talked about this in the past, Jada, that I'm an introvert, INFP. <laughs> and, and students find it hard to believe. Um, but I, uh, I'd always been this introvert, um, very shy person. <laughs> and I, um, I remember when I was in college, I, um, I met a lady at a banquet facility because I worked at a banquet facility when I was a sophomore in college. And, um, she was there, uh, hosting an event for a networking club for people who were in a com in, in, into computers. And I shared with her that I was a student at Virginia state university. And I, um, and she invited me to her, um, to her club meeting and I became the first student. It was called BDPA. It's, I think it's still existing today. And I, um, she ended up being my mentor and she got me my first, second and third, um, uh, job in, in my oh, career. Wow. So not only did she help launch my, my career, but she played an integral role in the development of me as a, as a professional. I even talked to her today and when I was transitioning from corporate into academia full time and she was a part of my village. So that, that relationship was really important very early on. Um, for me, it was, um, I went to Mays high school here in Georgia and I had my homeroom, <laughs> my homeroom teacher, um, Ms. Grissom, um, she told me about ROTC. I didn't know anything about it. Um, and I'm like, okay, I'll try it out. Um, and it was exactly what I wanted to be. Um, I loved every minute of it. Um, so far that I joined the military afterwards and all that good stuff. Um, <laughs> but it, it was so much discipline and it was just the right time for the right person. And I have always been a person to listen. I didn't have a lot of questions when adults came to me. It was just yes, ma'am or no, ma'am, or yes, sir, no, sir. It wasn't why. I didn't have those questions because my mom didn't play why. <laughs> all these would be gone. So why wasn't a thing for me? But I do want to pause for a minute and to acknowledge you three to say thank you for being Jada's Village when we were in Georgia and she was up there. Um, I know she's an awesome young lady, but, you know, sometimes kids can go away from home, right? <laughs> but I want to thank you guys for watching over her and taking care of her in those moments. We really appreciate you. Yeah. <laughs> me <Yes>. too <laughs> absolutely me too yeah <laughs> thank you guys so much so I don't think I think I want to speak more about a pivotal person versus which who has shaped who I am today because it's not that the moments happened to me but I watched them happen to other people and that's my dad um, he grew up with a parent and a half in the house. Uh, I say in a half because it was his stepfather, um, but they were present but absent, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't go to the, the sporting events or things he had at school. 
he would be the one taking his younger brother to practice. So he would leave high school, go home, pick his brother up, go to whatever practices he had. And he vowed to be a present father in our lives. And not only our lives, it was those, again, going back to the sports, those students, those kids who didn't have the father and would say, don't worry, I'll pick him up. Don't worry, I'll drop him off. Or, you know, I'll go to the schools and check on him. You know, it was... It was me seeing that that kind of created who I was to you all at Howard, right? Being who you all needed in addition to who I already was. And so just seeing him, you know, I see people in the store all the time that say, oh, yeah, I know your dad. I may not know who this person is, but they know who I am. Um, or I'll see someone that I used to, you know, go to school with or play sports with, whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, I always remember when your dad said this or they're always asking, you know, how's your dad doing? because of the impact that he had. So it's like, I want to be that, right? And he's still doing it to this day. He's coaching back at his high school uh, football, you know, kind of like on a, a smaller basis, but just trying to make an impact. You know, he's at a school in D.C., and uh, these students are struggling. But he's he's there. He's making meals for the kids, and it's just inspiring to see that he's still this person that he vowed to be years ago. And it's like, all right, it's in front of you. You know, this is – who you're supposed to be as well. Just find who, just find a village you need to support. He found a village that he needed to support and just kept at it. And so I don't, again, I don't think I have a pivotal moment, but just a pivotal person that I'm watching and marking. See, and I, to piggyback off you, I was that kid who Mm -hmm. always got the ride from somebody else's dad. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom, she was older. I'm the baby of seven. Um, Mm -hmm. So my mom had when she was like 40 something, right? So by the time I got to high school, she had more gray hair than the teachers, right? So everybody's like, your grandma here? Right, that's my mom. Say something else. It's own. Um, so <laughs> it was a lot of events that she just didn't go to. And so, like, my friends, they would just corral me and take me their parents. I was at their house all the time. Mm-hmm. Um but no parents ever turned me away or anything to that nature. But I was that respectful kid. And if you're a respectful kid, you know, you're always welcome at always. anybody's <laughs> house. Like, come on in. You know, he's fine. Um, but, you know, you, my mom taught me the respect of someone else's house. You know, running their house, don't tear up nothing. And that's what we're missing in the village. The village mm-hmm. does have to start at home. Mm-hmm. If we're going to talk about the yeah. village, it has to start at home before I can step in as a villager and assist. So she started her village at home and then she didn't have to do much when it came to me because my five sisters in front of her, me would all beat me up and make sure because you're not going to embarrass the Jackson name. I'm like, I don't even know what the Jackson name means, but for them it meant something. So I, I learned what it meant to be a Jackson. And we don't even value the name anymore. So if you come mm-hmm. to my house and my, my sisters tease me all the time, we have initials of our names throughout the entire house. Y'all forget y'all initials or something. It means something. We want our kids to understand that their name means something. It's just mm-hmm. not regular. We took time to name you. We took time for this definition. We wanted you to understand who you are. So the village does have to start at home, not to go back to the village. But go ahead. Really. <laughs> okay um so i grossly um underestimated how much time i would have with you all 
Um, can can I have like fifteen more minutes of your time if you're yes, able? I'm available. Yes, I'm free. Yes, <laughs> yes we are. Okay. Thank you all for staying on a little longer. You're Sorry. No problem. But see, that's that's the great thing about trying things out. You know, you, you learn and you can grow and adjust accordingly. <laughs> okay. So kind of getting back into that topic of hold on. I'm sorry, Uncle Melon, what did you just say? You just said something that was really oh, like knowing like your name and being able to kind of like mm -hmm. honor it and understand that when you leave out of your house, you like represent everyone in your family. Um, what is some advice that you could give to younger people or just advice in general to people like when they step outside the house for them? What are, what should they look out for? How should they carry themselves? Because I do know a lot of the times like it's, I would say the world is getting more lenient with like the rules and regulations like, oh, you just be comfortable. You can go outside in a bonnet. That's okay. But in actuality, how you represent yourself and present yourself to people really says a lot about like you and who you are. True. And that's the village yeah. once again at home. But I'll let, I'll let Doc go first. Yeah, you know, um, I appreciate this question because um, I, I, I've talked to my daughters about our last name. And I also talk to the students about their name and their, their heritage. Uh, you know, we I do this um, integrity talk with students in the beginning of each semester and kind of have a checkpoint mid-semester. And one of the things that I, I share with my students, and this is the same thing I share with my, my children, is that... Uh, don't squander the sacrifices that your family have made for you. Um, everyone made sacrifices for you. And your name is very important. Your, your family name is very important. So take your family name and protect it. That's the piece that you should protect because that's a part of the sacrifice. And because you're, you can, you know, I have a unique last name, Busky. And if someone says Busky, they would probably immediately think about me. And and now my daughters, um, there's a there's a brewery here in, where I live in my town. It's called Busky's and people will stop me and say, hey, do you own that brewery? Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't. But you can see how that name that that last name resonates. So right. um, that that's a part of a piece of advice I would like to offer your listeners. Um, I think I was eight or nine. I was at my uncle's house. And he's the, the jokester of the family. Like, he would probably crack a joke on here every second if he could. Like, he's that type of jokester. <laughs> but one day I walked past him with my head down. I don't remember why. But what I remember is what he said to me. He pointed me to a mirror, like right here. And he said, just keep saying, I'm Deshaun Vance. And what does that mean to you? I was eight or nine. I'm never going to forget that. I don't remember. I don't know how many things I remember from eight or nine, but that stood out. You know, what does your name mean to you? And so I carried that with me through life, which is why I still remember it now. And when I was online pledging, we had to write personal mission and vision statements for ourselves. And so hmm. where do you want to be? Who Who are you? You know, and you have to really dig deep and think about this. Like it was basically like a, a homework assignment in addition to what we were doing. And so 
I had to sit down and figure that out. And so whatever I did every day waking up that did not align with what I wrote down for that mission and vision, I had to alter. Right. So there has to be some personal accountability in this piece as well. But again, mine started with someone in the village telling me, what, well, asking me, what do you think your name means to you? I think mine started like, um, I think from third grade to 12th grade, because I was the baby of seven. So mm. every teacher that saw me says, are you the last Jackson? Um, <laughs> so like my ninth grade year, I think I definitely remember this one because the teacher stopped the whole class. It was like, like halfway through the class. Nobody said nothing. And, you know, everybody's just relaxing as freshmen trying to, you know, just enjoy life. And she's just like, are you a Jackson? Are you the last Jackson? I'm like, lady, don't, don't embarrass me right now. I'm just trying to find my footing as a student. And I said I was, and next thing she knows, she leaves the classroom. She go gets like two other teachers. These are the same teachers who taught my brothers and sisters. Uh, so they came in, you know, your mom was still at the school. She was a senior. I was a freshman, but they just had to see the last Jackson. So my name meant something to them and the reputation that my siblings had before me. And I had to live up to that. And you cannot disappoint Mother Jackson because you're going to have problems when you get home. You know, my mom was that, yep, go ahead and beat them. And bring them out. Sorry, not beat them. You can whip them, bring them on home. But, you know, um, but she didn't play. So that, that name, it means a lot. And to your point, for my kids, I translated that to them differently. I translated that to them um, that, they had to have a mission statement for their life. Even in third grade, you had to have a five-year plan. Um, mm -hmm. You had to understand, you had to read a book that had nothing to do with school. And mm -hmm. for them to even date somebody, those that person that they were dating had to have those same things. Because if they can't read a book, we can go and stop this relationship. Let's, let's stop it. Um, if you don't have a mission statement for your life, why are you trying to date my daughter or my son? If you don't have a five-year plan and we're in ninth grade, we we behind the ball because we'll be in high school, we'll be 18, we'll be graduating. You don't have a mission statement yet. We have a problem with that. So for us, it was all about pushing them past us, but giving them every bit of discipline that we had in then some because our parents did their discipline out of necessity. We did our discipline out of knowledge and understanding and having more wisdom because I had to remember my parents are older. They're just one generation from a slave. That's mm -hmm. it. So my parents was in the 20s, uh, you know, 20, 23, I think my dad was born. So that's, you know, that's a big gap. Um, so for us, we had to fill in the gap that a generation was missed for my family, because people had sets of kids by then. They just had one row of kids. So my siblings became my parents. My parents became my grandparents. So it was different for me. But yeah, that's how mm -hmm. I learned. Uncle Maylon, I definitely remember coming to your house and you asking me, what is your five-year plan? And telling me the next time you see me, I need to have one. Right. And it has to be written down because if it's just something you're spitting out to me, that's a dream. I need it in writing because I need you to be able to read it, see it, live it. Because once again, 
if it doesn't align with your five-year plan, then someone's getting you off track. It's mm-hmm. going to be things coming your way at all times, but we have to stay on track. So, yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. This is the last question. <laughs> um, can you all share a moment in your life where you realized like you had to take a step up to kind of be someone else's leader or mentor or just like a moment in your life where you realized, oh, I have to contribute to this thing. I remember a pivotal point in my life. I think I was around like 12 because I was like in the sixth grade. I, I was eating and I went to go put the dishes like in the dish, um, on the sink. And then I, I was like, I should do the dishes. And never in my life had I thought I should do the dishes without being told to. And then I realized I'm growing up and like, I want to contribute and lessen the load on my parents. So that's like one of the most pivotal points in my life when I realized like I had self-awareness of growing up. I think I was born into that (laughs) Um, with, with your mom and you know, your mom and I are the babies of the family. So we, we were always told what to do and probably about, you know, fifth grade, it was no more telling. It was a look. My mom just had to look at you and you knew something. You just start calculating if you did something wrong or if you should have done something and then you got to move. And so to get rid of that look, you anticipated what could happen next. Let me go ahead and like, like the gentleman said, let me go ahead and take this trash out before <laughs> she say something. It's about the discipline of being a leader. And my mom taught us how to be leaders from the jump. All of us, all seven of us were leaders in any field that we got into. Um, I just so happened to be the only entrepreneur, but the rest of them, they're <laughs> just great leaders. Um, but it, it, the leadership was instilled in us from, from the word go. It really was. Um, yeah, I, I have a, a, a short of, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Dr. Vance. Um, I would say just recently, um, I actually turned in my laptop yesterday. So while I was a GMW, GW, George Washington University employee, uh, there was this calf um, that I would go to, not GW related, but it was, close to the Watergate Hotel. And there was this young man working the counter. And he just seemed out of it. Like, I don't want to be here, but I'm here earning a couple extra dollars. And so I kind of just ignored it, you know, most days because I just need something to eat real quick before I go to a meeting or need to eat before whatever else. I met with another student, whatever it was. But one day I had time and I just asked him, is everything okay? He said, you're the first person to ask me that in two years. Uh, He's a senior. He actually graduated yesterday. Um, He had no idea what he wanted to do. Um, He felt like he was missing the meetings at school. And so the young man and I talked and I found out who his college counselor was at school. I used to work with his counselor. And so we sat down to figure out a plan to get him in school. And... It brought so much joy to my heart to be able to give back in a way that I know I'm supposed to, right? Mm. Even more knowing that his parents went to school as well, but weren't helping him. So 
he had the resources, but they weren't being used. And so I basically helped him use the resources. And I felt really good about that. He kept saying, oh, I'm going to pass some more people from the school to you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's get you, you know, squared away. <laughs> um, but it just brought me so much joy that he was able to get in school and get money for school. He's actually going to Clark Atlanta, where I just graduated from. And oh. so to know that I have that mm-hmm. impact, well, you know, not just him, but I mean, I just, I was assigned mentees as a part of my job as well, but they didn't have any plans either. And so it's like, I know I can help you guys, you know, the future map out, you know, what you want to do. I think it really just takes intentional conversations and I'm mm-hmm. willing to have those intentional conversations, especially with young black males. Um, there's a lack of us in higher ed. And so we're in education period, not even just higher ed. So with it being a lack, I know that I have the ability and capability to reach back, to pull you forward. And I want to continue to do so. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I, so my, a little bit of my quick background, I rose to the top. I mean, to that glass ceiling and corporate America, and you hear about it a lot. And for some reason, they would not make me the director that I deserve to be in this corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided that I was, I needed to do something better. And I, and I shared this story with my students about being on the top floor and being the only person of color. And I remember writing down those 65 floors to the bottom and I wanted to change that. I was going to leave corporate America and go build an army. And how was I, I was going to do this. I was going to go back to an HBCU. And, um, so I, when I, when I, when I became um, a faculty member at Howard university, my, my, my goal was to instill confidence in young, um, students of color so that when they step into their career, they can bring others with them. And, and Jada knows about this. So I had this young lady in my class, um, software design, who um, was doing fantastic, but didn't know she was. Mm-hmm. And I quickly picked up on the fact that she had the content. She just needed the confidence. And I, and I, and I, I stepped into this young lady's life and I, and, and, my my conversation with her was always you can do it you got this and that young lady is jada i do remember <laughs> oh that's wild i thought i i was like wow <laughs> <laughs> you remember you remember i talked about the labs and getting yes. you through software design i mean, you, yes. you had it you and i i get students I know when students don't have it. I know when students need more, um, need more instructional help. And I know when it's confidence. And I didn't say you didn't lack confidence. I wanted to fine tune your confidence um, because you're an amazing student. And um, we have these talks about students who may not have it and students who have it. You had it. So mm-hmm. all you needed was that confidence boosting. And that's what, that's where I stepped in. So. Yes. And thank you so yeah. much for that. Like all of you are here today because you have left such a positive impact on me. Like almost every conversation we've had has just like been monumental in helping me grow as a person and like keeping me on a steady path. So yes, thank you all so much. 
for your presence yeah. in my life. I it's truly appreciated. My pleasure. Yes. Oh, pleasure. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, thank you for taking advantage of your village. That's amazing. I yeah. can't wait to share this with my daughters. Um, and and we'll we'll have some conversations around it um, after they get a chance to listen to how you leverage your village to become the person that you are today. Don't stop because your village <laughs> is always going to be here. Yeah, you're still <laughs> yes. young, so you still have a ways to go. Don't stop using your village. Yes, that's definitely what I'm learning now because as as I was growing up, people would be like, oh, yes, I'm always here for you. But I, would, I wouldn't ever know like, but I could really reach out for like if like, okay, you're here. Nah, okay. But like actually seeing people be like whatever you need and being able to reach out and just if it's even a little thing for like a little advice or just an opinion, like knowing that you have people in your corner when they say that, when they say they're in your corner is such a great thing. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to leave. If you have any closing statements you want to share, like if there's anything like I didn't ask a question on that I didn't touch on that you might want to share out to the masses, please feel free to. Um, no, I just want to say thank you for inviting me. Um, I love the village. <clears throat> I love being a part of a village and it is, it's mm -hmm. going to take your generation um, to make this better. I was looking for a better word, but it didn't come. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna move on. But it, it is it is awesome to see what you have, who you've become as a young lady from, you know, to to now. It is amazing. And thank you, gentlemen, for supporting her when she needed you guys the most. Absolutely. It, it was my pleasure. I, I would love for your your listeners to to see how you leverage your, your village very well to become the, the, the person you are today. And you're doing so much at a very, you know, you continue to put out very young, which is um, which not a strike. I mean, it's it's very good because you are you're building. Um, I want young people to continue to leverage their village or, and build their village. It, it shouldn't just stop mm -hmm. here. Add to your village. Find opportunities uh, where people can bring value and open doors for you, and mm -hmm. um, and continue to seek the seek the people who can come into your life uh, to bring you up. And that's what I wanted to share with, with um, uh, in my last words. All right, <clears throat> this is me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Jada, thank you for inviting me. Thank you for thinking of me. Um, you are definitely one of the few students who have my cell phone number. Um, so <laughs> I'm glad you... Same here. <laughs> <laughs> Jada knows <laughs> that. <laughs> Don't hand this number out either. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, what I want to say to the listeners, um, the Village can only support you if you're reaching out and asking questions. Right. We can only see what you allow us to see, but the things that are unseen, we need to know. So reach out, ask questions. That's how you get the support. That's why three of us, at first, the four of us are here because Jada reached out and asked if we would be willing. Right. And it could be something as small as, again, like Jada said, a question, you know, about life, or it could be something as large as whatever you need it to be. But you have to, you know, build those relationships, cultivate those relationships. And they definitely start by just reaching out and forming those bonds. 
Absolutely. Yes. Oh, thank you all so very, very, very much for your time. Um, I will let you all uh, close out, like as in if you have any social media handles that you want to put out, if you have any things that you're working on, you don't have to, but if you would like to share that information, you can, and then I'll close this out afterwards. <laughs> Oh. Um, I, I don't know. I tweet. I tweet. I, I tweet sometimes. I haven't been on in a while, but um, I'm Carlos um, underscore Busky on Twitter. I do have a new Instagram that I started this year, um, focus solely focused on my cycling and running, um, mm -hmm. and that's a Busky do Busky do bike. So if you want to follow me on Instagram, I mean, it's just pictures of me on my bike and quotes and stuff. But <laughs> I did want to share that. Um, I am starting Watch My Black back up after I start back at Howard because I'll have the free time to do so again. Um, so please follow me at Watch My Black TV on Instagram, on Twitter. On... The TikTok isn't up yet. I created the handle, but I haven't started posting anything or following anybody yet. But Watch My Black TV will start running back this year. And I'm excited about that because it's time to get some more positive black news out there. And that's what that is dedicated to. Good. I have zero platforms. Um, <laughs> I don't do Instagram. I don't do anything. Um, my wife does all of that just to keep up with the kids. But um, I'm a super workaholic is who I am. I just, I don't. <laughs> but I have Facebook. That's the only thing I have. Sorry. Um, so that's it. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you so much to our panelists for coming on today. I really hope you all took away something from this episode and that you'll go forth and reach out to the people in your immediate village and then also join this village to expand your horizons even more. Remember, in this vast village we call life, we're all connected. Until we meet again, keep embracing the power of community, sharing your stories, and uplifting one another. Stay curious, stay compassionate, and keep creating a village wherever you go. Thank you so much. See you next All time. Right. <laughs> All right, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. 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 You're welcome. Thank, thank you for inviting me. <laughs>